Welcome to another edition of the Global Lithium Podcast. Today, I am presenting an archive version from 2018, and this features Dr. Daniel Galley, his son Carlos Galley, and the last samurai of brine, David Guerrero. We recorded this in Salta, Argentina, right around Father's Day 2018. The title of the episode is Lithium Family Values. And one of the reasons I like this episode so much is I think that uh, we get some of the easiest to understand explanations of misunderstood concepts relative to the production of lithium chemicals from brine. Uh, both of the Gales and David uh, do a very, very good job of uh, highlighting uh, some of the key aspects. Um, we talk about recovery rates, the importance of weather conditions, the diversity of brines in Argentina, how you manage variations, why you just can't copy and paste brine projects, and uh, we get into the value chain of lithium, and uh, we talk about why Argentina is better served by sticking to uh, lithium chemical production than, than trying to make batteries. And then we get into the misnomer of battery grade carbonate. Uh, and we talk in, in terms of uh, carbonate in this episode, but the same concepts apply to lithium hydroxide or lithium chloride. Uh, is this really is one of my all-time favorite episodes? I I think the the explanations are are so clear that um, anybody who has listened to it before would be well served by giving it another quick listen. And to those who weren't listening to the Global Lithium podcast when this was originally uh, put on uh, the website uh, almost two years ago now. Uh, this is one not to be missed. Um, so uh, I would say that if you're trying to listen uh, uh, like a, an Alexei Zawatsky with uh, speed, uh, I don't suggest putting it on 1.5 or 2, but I would suggest that you could skip uh, about the first 10 minutes and 30 seconds once the uh, episode uh, starts and that we um you know if you don't if you don't like the old concept we had with rapid fire then um when we get near the end uh, you can you can sign off so you can you can cut out some of this i like the whole episode uh but i do understand that some people are are more concerned about just learning and time efficiency than entertainment which is actually why i've kind of changed the whole concept of how we do these podcasts um I think posting a podcast today, some people will be expecting that I'm going to talk about Apple Marl earnings or live event earnings or any of the other uh, recent earnings announcements. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to do that at a later time. Uh, I am off to Tokyo tomorrow for Battery Japan. Uh, I know a lot of people have canceled because of the coronavirus in China and kind of worries that maybe that's spreading around Asia. Uh, I, having lived uh, in Asia during SARS and having lived in China during the avian flu, uh, I will uh, take my 
chances and uh, you know hopefully uh, the the attendants won't be too depressed by the current coronavirus uh, fears but be that as it may uh, I will be hopefully recording uh, some conversations I have uh, at Battery Japan and putting out a short uh, Q&A episode with those uh, items and uh, with that I think I'm going to leave you to listen to Daniel Galli, Carlos Galli, David Guerrero, and episode 11, Lithium Family Values. Thanks for listening. And we got two, two really bright guys here. And let's not talk about how much capital it takes to build a cathode plant. Besides that, I don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> The best, the worst, the first. My study of the lithium market sort of shows how difficult it well, We had a belief in where, where lithium was going. That is probably a key question that any potential investor would be trying to find out right now. You're listening to The Global Lithium Podcast. Good morning and welcome to the Global Lithium Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Emily Hirsch, and I am joined by my charming co-host, one Mr. Joe Lowry. Good morning, Emily. It's a pleasure to be back in Salta, Argentina. Salta, Argentina, the, the heart of brine country. We are in brine country, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. And we're here with our, our first returning guest, the last samurai of, of brine, has has battled another day to end up here with us. Good morning, uh, David. Morning, everyone. Thanks for having me again, guys. If you didn't have enough the first time, here I am again. It's a pleasure. And we're also joined by um, Dr. Daniel Gali. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. And I be I'd be happy to be here now. And his son, uh, the engineer, Carlos Galli. Hello, Emily. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for the invitation. I'm glad to be here. No, we're, we're thrilled. And, and Joe and I are really excited because we wanted to have a special Father's Day edition of the Global Lithium Podcast. And it looks like that dream is coming true, Joe. Our dreams are coming true in Salta. So without further ado, let's get this started. Although Salta is one of the most beautiful places on earth, we aren't just here to, uh, you know, eat empanadas and buy ponchos, Joe. We've had some serious work to get done on this trip. Well, this trip showed me that the best lithium conference in the world may be in South America. I mean, Joe, we've been trying to uh, to tell you this for a long time. I'm glad that I'm glad that you were uh, you were able to come around to the dark side. Um, but Joe and I were here for the Panorama Minera Lithium Conference, and we were here with with David and with the Galis. Um, there were a lot of people, weren't there, David? There were a lot of people, um, particularly in uh, Joe's presentation. We've seen a, a full house. There were there were quite a few people here, even as the you know in the the last hurrahs as you were presenting, Carlos. How many people do you think were at the conference here in Salta? Well, yes, there was a lot of people. Even when my presentation was one of the last, and the people stayed, so that that's also valuable. Uh, yep, easily more than four hundred people. It was a lot of people. 
Your presentation may have been the last, but it was probably the best one. That was good. Oh, Joe and I both had presentation envy. We, you could you could hear it I in my translation. I am still seriously suffering from presentation envy. Tons of presentation envy. Appreciate but, it very much. So you guys have, um, how, how long have you uh, known each other? David, how did you meet uh, Dr. Galli? Do you remember? Well, Dr. Galli is one of the um, pioneers in the, in the brine industry. Uh, started back in 2006, I think. Uh, at least that's what I can uh, remember now. Um, followed closely by the next generation, my good friend Carlitos here. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of um, brine experience in the, in the region. So back in, in, let's say, 2010 or seven years ago, um, what kind of, how was the lithium community at that point here in Salta? It was uh, very narrow. It was starting and uh, it was a lot of secrecy, actually. So there was not a lot of information available and you had to make your own way while walking. And that was the big challenge that Daniel started with and I tried to follow. Uh, starting from the laboratory, the setting up of the measurement system, understanding how to measure lithium, which is very challenging, and how to measure the other guys, which is challenging as, as well. Then working on, on how to understand the, the evolution of the chemistry, the development of the chemistry of the brines. So it was really, really challenging. But that, that's a very good point to learn. And, and David, what's like the funniest story that you would share about the lithium community, you know, the lithium family here in, in northern Argentina? Well, I think I mentioned this before, but it, during the exploration, as Carlos mentions, there was a lot of things that we were learning along the way. Um, <clears throat> some mistakes made, you know, assuming certain things like, I don't know, at the beginning we wouldn't use uh, any any drilling mods because they didn't want to contaminate the, the brine. And of course those wells, when you're in, you know, um, sedimentary type of uh, geology will collapse at 30 or 40 meters. That's pretty hilarious. I, wanna, I, wanna get some, I was like, this is, where's, the, where's the fun part? And you're like, and it collapses and everybody dies. It's pretty fun when you see a well collapse, believe me. So we're missing out. You know, I can honestly say I've never seen a well collapse, but... Uh, the day is young. Clearly, since 2010, you have learned a lot. Because your presentation yesterday unearthed some of the most interesting concepts and novel ways of presenting the whole lithium story that I've ever heard. They did. I, and we are going to speak to some of those topics today. How are you feeling this morning? Are you tired? Well, I am not tired because I took a nice cold shower before I came over here, had a cup of coffee. But I'll tell you, the lifestyle here is a little bit rough because I'm not used to eating at midnight. Well, you gotta, you know, you have to eat at midnight, Joe. It's what gauchos do. It's what it's what Güemes would have done, right? Certainly Güemes would have had late dinners, believe who, me. Can you tell us a little bit about who General Güemes is, was, will be? As a proud Salteño, I can share with you that General Güemes was our lo is still today our local hero, and we um, honor his um, 
his life and, and death um, for saving uh, the northern part of what is Argentina today. I keep saying to visitors, Argentina will be a lot shorter when looking at the map if we didn't have uh, General Güemes fighting the battles in the north. Are the parades that I saw a couple of mornings this week when I was out walking, are they related to the celebration of General Guemes? I'm not sure, Joe. What parades were you talking about? Well, in the square where the hotel is on Wednesday and Thursday, they had red ponchos, they had bands, horses, they horses. had bands. Hey, do you live here? <laughs> Couches for sure. I thought you were talking about a different parade. I didn't know if you were talking about cheerleaders or what, but yeah. Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag me too. Cheerleaders can be gauchos now. Absolutely. So I mean, very, okay, yeah, I think we probably well, degenerated this right. conversation well, reason, enough. We need to get into the science with our okay, guests. I'm sorry. The reason I wanted to ask if anyone was sleepy is because I'm a little tired, but do you know what's, what's a really difficult chemical to rouse is I lithium so. in brine. Carlos, one of the topics that uh, both Joe and I really, really liked, and then I think you explained to us that your father was one of the um, the first here in Salta to describe the behavior of lithium this way, is that it's it's happy, it's stable in brine, and, and to get it out, to wake it up, is no easy task. Correct. Uh, actually, what we shared yesterday is that what makes lithium the perfect element for battery is the same. It, it's the same phenomenon that makes the lithium so so comfortable in the brine. So it makes it very very difficult to to take it out to extract from the brine. And this all has to do with thermodynamics, actually. So this all has to do with the amount of energy and effort that you need to apply to the brine in this case in order to demix. The lithium out from the brine. So this whole demixing exercise is thermodynamically very challenging and, and implies a, a big effort and a big transformation process. And um, if you want a recovery more quantity, mm -hmm. this work will be high. How we increase the recovery, the work that you need to, to extract the lithium from the brine will be increasing, mm -hmm. but not proportionally, not lineal. Right, you get you, the... You need more, more work. The, the decreasing returns to each amount of new energy or reagent that you would apply to the brine. Yes. Um, and, and, and looking at that, so when you talk about a lot of work and a lot of energy, to get the lithium out of the brine where it's thermodynamically stable, um, when we say, okay, there's energy and there's reagents. Uh, energy, if you're using the traditional evaporation, is where you basically whack it all out in giant kiddie pools in the Puna and wait for the sun to do its thing. Am I right? Correct. Uh, in, actually, in, in this process, uh, roughly 70% of the total energy required to take the lithium out and to demix the, the lithium is going to happen at the solar ponds with the help of the sun. And the Puna is the right place to do that because of the high evaporation conditions, high radiations, high winds, very dry environment. So all this helps. So it seems the same phenomenon that, that actually helped forming the Salars is helping us to, to take advantage of a part of this energy, of a part of this trip to happen in a renewable way. David, I saw you cringe when I said kiddie pools. 
No, no, no. And I was thinking, I sort of picture you guys, you know, laying in one of those ponds because it's like being by the sea. You have the sand, you have the sun, salty water. What else you need? Uh, I need to need you in a bikini and I think we're ready to go. Um, um, please, please don't go there again. <laughs> I want to add something. Yes. Uh, no, not only the sun. Uh-huh. Uh, we have a low humidity in the, in the air. And more important is the cold. Okay. Why the cold? Because uh, in some process, you need to take out the sulfate anion. Okay. And to do that, the the cold is is very good. Why uh, is that? To precipitate some uh, glycerite or some mm -hmm. sodium sulfate and take out the sulfate from the brain mm -hmm. to obtain a brain Who, uh, that you can go increase the lithium concentration up to high grade uh, without precipitating salts that contain the lithium element in the chemistry formula. No? So in Sorry, a sense I apologize. No, that's a great, no, that's a great point. That's a point. And I'm... it's not one that's articulated very often. So thank you for telling us that. We're always trying to learn on this podcast. I'd love to learn, Joe. Our listeners around the world just got a point that is not very often made. And it has a direct impact in recoveries. And I'm sure that's another interesting point of discussion because there's all... Um, There's all these comments about how low eventually the, the recovery is in a traditional evaporation process. How low is the recovery in a traditional evaporation process? Well, industry standards show, show us that we are in the range between 50% to 60% when, okay. you, when you account from brine all the way to final product. But, you know, I'd be glad to hear what um, Daniel and, and, and Carlos have to say about, you know, because it tends to vary uh, depending where you are, of course. And that's another point we want to get into is the diversity of resources in this country. Diverse brines. This is a, it's actually a phrase that Joe used. It was a, a critical um, component of, of Carlos's presentation. And it's something that um, I think that especially people trying to compare Argentina to Chile need to understand. Um, why did you talk about diverse brines, Carlos? Well, I really like this idea from the first of your podcasts, and, and it was very clearly, very clearly pointed out by Joe. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it was, if it was really understood or, or grasped at the level that, that at least it sounded to me. I think it's very, very important. That you can assume I don't know much and then just build on that. <laughs> you look smarter than you look, Joe. <laughs> No, the, the, the idea is that uh, different from other places, you have a big variety of different salars in Argentina. And the salars are extremely different from each other, which is good because when you have different sources, you dilute the risk. You are not concentrating the operations in one single basin, but you have, you have the, the opportunity of having multiple different operators with multiple different processes and approaches that will make that when, when one thing can stop one, this may not affect the other, so the supply can continue. So this makes Argentina very interesting for development. 
So in in taking on that uh, idea, I think one of the areas it touches on is that it is a a perfect um, place that new technologies or that different processes can develop because there's access to um, brines that have different characteristics. Is that correct? That's correct. Actually, from my point of view, one of the worst things that you can do when you try to develop a lithium system is a copy-paste. So lithium is nothing to do with copy-paste, and it's very challenging. So it has to do with the right understanding of the resource, the right understanding on the climatic conditions, on the conditions on the media where your lithium is, and then the right understanding of the chemistry evolution of the elements on your brine, not just the lithium or magnesium or sulfate. For example, actually we were discussing with Daniel yesterday about the importance of the potash-magnesium ratio. That is not very common, but for us in Argentina, it is extremely important because it will tell you a lot of information about the evolution of the, of the concentration of the brine when you try to develop your process. So, it's, again, it's not about copy-paste. You have to work, you have to develop your own story and this is all about the diversity. And this is good because diverse dilutes risk. Let's talk about the building the story and how many authors are writing stories in Argentina. The question is, how many different companies right now are actively pursuing resources in Argentina? Because it's very different than Chile. Chile's basically controlled by two entities, Abomaro and SQM. And here we have... It's, Almost innumerable people trying to pursue least. lithium. It's, it's a, a big number of different companies operating in different salars, even different companies operating in the same salar, which is also very interesting because each one of the, the companies or the groups will try to develop their own story. And this also helps to, 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 to enhance the competition and the growth. Okay. So that's something to take advantage of. As a question I don't know the answer to, and since I'm joined by some experts in brine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take advantage of it. How much does the weather differ from project to project? And then it, within the same solar, do you see um, differences in climate and weather that materially affect the lithium recovery techniques from one part of the solar to the other? Well, let's. one other part I'd like to get into is Everybody knows weather has an impact, but we also see operations using weather as an excuse for poor performance. So if you could parse that part of the discussion, that'd be great. Well, weather does have an impact, and there is a big, a big difference of weather in the different places of the Puna, but also, and this is something that we, we learned from others' experience, uh, like uh, very, very experienced people in, in, in ponds like David Batts, for example, and very experienced people in other places uh, other than Argentina. Actually, Daniel, my father, worked with ponds at the Puna for over 40 years for different processes like sodium sulfate. Mm -hmm. So there, is, there, is, there are two elements to take into account. One is the impact on the weather, which exists, but the other one is the buffer effect of the pond. Because the same concept that a lot of people speak uh, poorly about of the ponds, which is the 18 months to get into steady state, whatever. Right. This is also helping you to have a big and strong buffer when you have big variations. So well, how do you mean a buffer? What is the... 
Eh, Juan Carlos Vince is the pons eh, work like a pachyderm. Is like an elephant. Very, like an elephant. It's so difficult change the condition uh, quickly. It's impossible. No? So, We are touching new ground today. That's a great explanation, too. You guys are, are the best at creating visual you know, images for the concept. So the package. We're going to get someone being like, our new project is a pond full of elephants in the Puna. Yeah, have have uh, a, a, a big iner inertia. I don't know how you... Inertia. How yeah, yeah. No, it's, it, no it, I'm totally sincere in that. It, your presentation and some of the things you said before we started this morning it made, made this very interesting so that even we can understand even it. Even we can understand it. And that's yeah. a gift to be able to make us understand this. That's a skill. We're bad students, but <laughs> so if we had, um, let's say, for example, we had um, a project in Cauchari and a project in Olaros. Do those two projects demonstrate materially different weather conditions, or could you copy paste the weather section from one to the other? No, you can't. And this was clearly stated yesterday from one of the presentations that uh, was very, very good. A, a, a geologist actually with a lot of experience in the in the area and he clearly stated that you shouldn't copy paste weather condition which is a, a common practice now it's challenging because uh, one of the things that you wouldn't uh, consider when you are starting a project is to install weather stations for example actually when we started our projects in the different salars in, in LSE one of the first things that we did was actually install weather stations uh, you can see in the different uh, in the different uh, documents and presentations that uh, people typically try to uh, copy paste right for a, for a broad uh, understanding uh, that could work But when you need to be as specific as it's required, when you design your, your process system, you need to have accurate and representative data because this is very, very uh, important. Let me give you one simple example. Please. Simple. Simple, simple. Yeah, one. See, well, he knows who he's talking to. <laughs> We're both words I want to hear. Know your audience. <laughs> in, in, a, in a pond system, a pond system, as Daniel just said, it's a big elephant. Now, if you operate properly, your pond system's output would could be very stable. Right. Now your pond system input is variable, has to be variable. I see. And has to follow the weather condition of the place that you are working with. Mm -hmm. So to be very, very specific, you have to pump higher volumes when you have higher evaporation rates and you have to reduce your volumes when you have smaller evaporation rates. Otherwise, your pond system will suffer from the variations. Now, the only way you can do that is first to have a previous understanding in order to plan properly your, your pumping system. And second, to have a pumping operation that can respond with the level of flexibility that you require to have a, a, a right feeding into the system. That's really interesting. And, and yes, David. No, no, just a quick one on this. Um, as an addition, the Puna Plateau um, has different weather conditions, whether you're in the northern part of it or center or south part of it even sometimes in the same solar mm -hmm. you do have you know different weathers it might be raining in the southern part of it and not nothing okay. happening in the north part of it as carlos points out weather stations from the very beginning and whatever other data could be collected from other operations in our case there's 
a few uh, borage operations that right. were there before. So it, it helps project that seasonability in the ponds. Without a doubt, the ponds are the most important piece of equipment in your lithium chemicals production. We were talking earlier before we started to record um, about well, the reason for my trip was actually to speak at another event that wants to discuss the potential for making batteries in Argentina. Well, I have lithium, Joe. Why shouldn't I make batteries? God. Well, we're going to get into that, and I'm glad you asked that question, Emily. You're just trying um, to keep me down. Let's just talk about one of the concepts, that uh, another one that you uh, introduced yesterday, and that's the... Where we are now and what Argentina is doing now is probably the biggest value add. And there's a big concept in this country and in other countries. Chile's going through the same thing. Everybody thinks making batteries is the holy grail. Believe and I think well. you have a different perspective on that. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, yes, uh, to start with, it's very important to differentiate between the value chain and the value added. Uh, this could sound obvious. And, uh, and, and you could say, yeah, the, the difference is clear, but we typically confuse. So the value chain is defined by a demand, is defined by a market that is typically away from you. And you, you, you cannot typically uh, influence on that. So can you give me an example of, of some of the steps in the value chain that lithium is a part of? Well, the, the value chain of lithium is ba- basically three, three parts, three okay. big parts. The upstream, okay. which is from the brine up to the lithium transport uh, substance, which are basically lithium carbonate, lithium chloride, lithium hydroxide. And is the lithium comfortable in that in that uh, in that um, form, or does it prefer to be back to sleep in the brine? You woke up by then. <laughs> well, actually, you have to wake lithium up first from the brines, which, as we said before, it, it, it implies a lot of work, and then then you find new places where you put lithium to sleep. Actually, lithium is very stable in these solid forms, and that's why they are the preferred ways of transport lithium. Okay, great. So then, so if that's the value chain, um, and as you were saying, it's defined by the market. So if you're an actor in the lithium space, it's an exogenous force. You know, you can't be like, I've got lithium, I'm going to use it to make elephants. Nope, lithium is going to probably be used to make batteries. Um what then is the difference between, you know, or the, the thinking I think that you're you're flying against is that, all right, I have lithium and I want to move up the value chain in order to add more value. Um, and I think what you're saying is this isn't the way to think about it. This is not necessarily the way. It could be. It, okay. it can work in different areas. It works. But uh, what, what I say is that before assuming that this is the way, we need to learn a little bit more. And, and I think we, we need to recognize a little bit more. Uh, there is a lot of value added in the upstream of lithium. It's a big value added. And this has to do with the diversity of the, the requirements on the final product in the upstream. What do you mean by that? What, or David, what, is, what does he mean by the diversity of the final product? Well, I think what the market is dictating today, and it was captured by Joe in his, in his presentation as well, the, the path um, forward, 
um, depends on what the cathode manufacturing companies will be needing in the next years. And that, I think, is what defines what we will be working on for the next years in terms of what uh, lithium chemicals would need to be produced. Either are we are we increasing our participation in hydroxide? Is there plans to switch to, um, to chloride? Um, Joe pointed out um, one other interesting thing for us, which is... Uh, Lithium chloride from Argentina is pretty high quality. So how do you think, or, or what's, what is Argentina currently doing now to add value? And if you, you know, had a, had a magic wand and the ability to make everything happen, how do you think Argentina can add the most value to its product? Well, again, it will be learning by walking. So we, we need to walk and we need to do in order to learn. But uh, from, a, from, a, from an initial point of view, I think that we need to understand and try to extract the maximum, the maximum possible value on the final product in, uh, in the upstream. We have a very good opportunity to do that because uh, David just pointed out, uh, and, and, and it, it is real. We 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 had that in the in the past, and we have it now. We have very good quality products coming from some of the production systems in Argentina, and uh, and we we have the elements and the experience and the capability to keep increasing the 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 value of this final product. Now, let me give you one, one very simple example. And again, Ti yes. Yep. People, okay. you, know, you know us. Keep they like it simple. <laughs> People typically get trapped in the concept of the battery grade lithium. Well, grade, Joe, Joe just pointed out, it's not the right concept. No? And uh, when, when you say, for example, yeah, I am manufacturing battery grade, 99.5% lithium carbonate. Well, actually, this means that you have 5,000 ppm of other stuff. Those are parts per million, right? Parts per million. Context. Yeah. And so other stuff, other stuff has to be limited to hundreds, tens, or single digits. And the, the other stuff has to remain stable in order to have a satisfied cathode customer. And that's, I think we talked about it earlier, the big miss is people think it's just the 99.5 is the important part. It's actually the 0.5 and what's in the 0.5 that's critical to the performance of the cathode and then in the battery. That's absolutely right. And, and to make it worse, this will vary with the different customers. Yeah. So one customer will ask you will be very, very uh, picky in one element and the other one will be very picky in the other one because every single uh, battery element manufacturing will, will be also different. So it's a big challenge. And, and just another example, just to, to have an idea on how big is the challenge. Mm -hmm. When you want to make 100 kilos of lithium carbonate, right. the amount of brine that you need to depart from in order to get to this level contains 15,000 kilos of salt. Let's repeat that for our listeners who yes. normally don't get facts like this. I mean, you can only get these facts on the Global Lithium podcast. <laughs> so that's ex exclusively so, <laughs> globally brought to you by. So you said it was so 100 kilos. To give me even more context, because we might have some American listeners, um, how big is 100 kilos? Or like if I were to have 100 kilos of like apples or I don't know, what is it? So it's like a, an even simpler way. Pounds. Yeah, it's 220 pounds sports fans. So it's roughly my weight. 
No, it's so it's it's roughly 200 pounds. One so emily like, of lithium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing a main I eat a lot. <laughs> no, so, the, yeah, sorry. The, the the idea is that to do this 100 kilos of lithium, you need to have you need to have an input of brine uh-huh. that carries with it 15,000 kilos. 15,000 kilos salt. of salt. Okay. Now, if you have in your 100 kilos of final brine, if you have one spoonful of salt mm-hmm. into the product. Mm-hmm. then your product is out of spec. It works nothing. So that's how important the challenge is in order to go from a place full of contaminants, right. of elements that you won't receive in your final bag, into the final product, which is very, very tight. Yeah. And again, not just in lithium, in the other guys. So that's a big value added. And I, I really think, from, to answer your initial question, okay. in, in our journey... To get to this point, we will learn a lot from right. different disciplines, and we don't know where those disciplines will lead us, right. but they will certainly lead us to a better place. And it's better to try to look for the value added there than to try to chase a, a value chain where others are way more competitive, better com- competitive than us because, well, the market is closer to start with. trade-offs do carbonate producers face when when having to decide which contaminants to sort of keep and which to get rid of? Yeah, I was going to ask that question. Just for the listeners, do you want to name some of the elements that are in that 5,000 ppm that are, are the main focal point for a, for a battery maker? Yes. So typically, if you have more than 100 ppm of calcium, you're out. Typically, if you have more than 200 ppm of sulfate, you're out. Boron, if you have more than 20 ppm of boron, you're out. If you have more than 5 ppm of iron, you're out. (laughs) So it's all those guys. Chloride, chloride is very important as well. Uh, Strontium, people typically never never checked at at this element, but this could make a lot of noise in your, your cotton manufacturing, for example. And it will, again, it will depend on the specifications, the process, and the typically proprietary technology uh-huh. of the, the guy that, or the lady that is buying your product. And it gets better and better or worse and worse. Depends how you see it. Because I know oh, Emily I'm going to go with and better Joe, and better. I know Joe and Emily want to have I knew her when she didn't weigh last, 220 pounds. <laughs> one Emily of lithium. I know that. You guys want to have longer-lasting batteries that you could charge faster. So in line with what Carlos is saying, we're going to be required to lower those impurities down the road. So this takes us to a point where Argentina has the challenge in front of them, us, you know, the the sector, to get into highly sophisticated um, chemicals industry. You know, that's going to require more and more of this knowledge of guys like Daniel and Carlos, you know, just going deeper and deeper into these um, details for uh, the non-wanted elements in the final product. Uh, One of the things that you mentioned uh, earlier, David, was that... um you know, Argentina is making a product, not extracting and selling a resource. Um, why do you describe it using that kind of um, terms? 
Well, I'm I'm going to take um, the um, the galley statements about the sleepy lithium. You know, that's that for me is a resource, and as described just now, the challenges for taking that sleepy lithium into a product that could uh, could be used in the battery manufacturing uh, industry. It takes all this effort, and that's why I, I stress the point that we're dealing with a final product and not just a regular final product. We're, we're dealing with a highly sophisticated chemical that is going to get more and more, um, needs to get more and more pure. To play a little bit of devil's advocate, Carlos, um, there's a, there's, what if my feelings were, you know, if we extract our lithium, and I think this is what our friend Dr. Bitran uh, over on the other side of the... Our, our good friend, good Dr. Friend, Dr. Bitran. Dr. Bitran um, is sort of pushing in, in Chile is that, look, we don't want to just, you know, extract a, a resource and have it be gone. We want to build batteries. Why Should I build batteries in the Puna? Well... Actually, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying that before thinking about that, you should do two things. One is recognizing the value added in manufacturing these intermediate products because there is, and it's a lot, I can tell you, we can tell you that there is a lot. And the other element is that we have to broaden our vision. So let me give you another example, which is the Nokia case. Nokia started in Finland to do pulp. They have a lot of trees okay, and they produce pulp for the paper industry. The paper industry paper, was paper. Cell phones, yeah. So okay. totally. Can you imagine the, the old Nokia people back in early 20th century thinking about cell phones? No, because their business was to produce pulp, to sell the pulp, to produce paper. So their, their value chain was towards paper. Now, because they built infrastructure to do this pulp place, mm -hmm. there was suddenly a rubber factory installed nearby. Okay. And the rubber factory started to work in conjunction with the old pulp factory. And then because the rubber factory started to work and produce rubber, there was a cable factory installed nearby. And then the cable factory started to sell cable cables for Europe and industrialization and communications and all the sort of things. And then suddenly they figured out that they required to be very, very smart and good in telecommunications because the plants were not very close. So they, they have to communicate and they have to improve their process systems. And then they figured out that they have to digitalize the whole thing. And then they ended up with a big business of cell phones. So what I'm telling is that you sh we shouldn't restrict to the value chain because when we add value, we will unlock new opportunities. And probably by chasing those, opportunity, those opportunities, we don't know where we are going to end, but certainly it must be chasing our value, the thing that we create, the path that we develop, right. not trying to continue or to grow in someone else's path. I see. So to an analogy then would be, let's say if I had a tree at my house and I said, I'm going to make notebooks because I have a tree. Is that an apt uh, example that describe it's like I have lithium I'm going to make a battery here on top of my lithium that could be a very good example yeah actually well here's the thing Argentina has great lithium resources and a lot of them are not developed you have 
to make the next step, the cathode, anybody can make the cathode by buying the constituents of the cathode and make it. And you're, if you're, you have a special place with your lithium resources, but you don't have a special situation to have an advantage to make cathode. And you certainly don't have an advantage to making batteries because you're going to be competing with a lot of guys in China who get easy money, who are willing to work for small margins. So I think what the point we were talking about earlier is Argentina's highest value add and most special situation is to fully develop your lithium resources. The margins are going to be great. And when you go downstream, you're competing with other people that you know, it's it's a me too situation rather than a core situation you have here by having one of the countries with the best lithium resources in the world. And that's a very small list. Chile, Australia. So that that would be my take on it. David, if you had to back of napkin estimate, how much would it cost to build a battery factory, you know, from the lithium all the way to the or even, even the electric car, right? Like, what's your back of the envelope estimate for just how much that investment would be um, before even thinking about making it profitable? Good question, Emily. Unfortunately, don't have the exact answer in capital intensity for for a battery manufacturing um, entity. Though, um, we could, could, we could, so we know no, that. No, no. Uh, got, got your point. My my take on this would be. The batteries uh, industry is a kind of a single-digit profit type of industry mm-hmm. um, in general terms. So, and Argentina misses the rest of the components, as, as Joe described, that goes into a battery. So we don't have cobalt, you know, we'll need um, a number of other um, uh, minerals involved in the in the. Um, in the manufacturing processes, separators, the nanotechnology, we are not yet there. As Carlos says, we may it might be in our path sometime uh, in the future. I don't think for the following years it should be a main focus. We have a huge challenge again ahead of us and should focus on that one for now. But Joe, Joe to humor me, because... You always well, that's do. That's what I do. Um, to build a, I guess, constructing a, a lithium carbonate plant, let's put that at half a billion, right? But we're, Depends we're, on the capacity, but yeah, I mean, it's the know. current size, it's about right. And then how much would the the cathode operation cost you if know, I wanted to chunk that on top? You know, sometimes, Ms. Hirsch, as we go down Come the path, you, you start to go down a, a, Come a down line. Come down the rabbit we got hole. Two, Two really bright guys here, and let's not talk about how much capital it takes to build a cathode plant. Besides that, I don't know the answer. The last point from your um, from your presentation, Carlos, that I want to touch on was, and it sort of comes back to to this is is you talked about how if Argentina or the risk to Argentina of pursuing um, a foolhardy strategy um, and sort of appeasing this feeling that you need to go further along the value chain rather than actually adding value. 
um, you put in jeopardy a, a profitable industry. And I think the the joke that I hope I didn't butcher translating to Joe was that uh, unless unless this is done wisely, everyone in this room will be making less money than the guys parking cars outside the hotel. Well, yeah, that, that was a little bit rude, actually. But no, no, come on. You're on the Global Lithium podcast. <laughs> Go ahead and unleash your inner rude person. So, well, in, in, in the part of the presentation and, and trying to enforce the idea of uh, more action and, 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 and speaking up, uh, I, I was using that example to say that probably while we talk, the people in the parking slots around the hotel where the event was uh, occurring, uh, that where the event was happening, uh, were going to do more money than the lithium people. Now, the, the, the message there is that uh, it is a long road. It is very complicated because it's a lot of value in it. So we better start and we, we have to do it well. It is a window here. That's a window of opportunity. We don't know really when is it going to be over. So we, we'd better take advantage of that. For our sake, let, let's think that it will last for a long, long time. But the, the truth is that we, we are in, in, at the, in, the edge, in the edge of something which has a lot of uncertainties. All in favor at the moment, but certainly it's a window. I'm going to answer your cathode question, yes. Emily, and not give you an exact amount of money, but I used like a, to run like a, a cathode joint venture in <laughs> Japan. And I'll, I'll tell you that the, the problem with going down to the cathode business is the battery makers, as, as it has emerged, you've had LCO, then you've had LMO, then you've had different other different types of different nickels. Every time that changes, capital has to be invested. You have wasted capital, that, and sometimes you can't even pay out a cathode plant before the technology changes. You're competing with people who have different cost of capital than you have. Why in Argentina with the lithium, they can't compete with what you can do in lithium. So I'm just going to go back to say, it's a good example to talk about why we don't want to make cathode because it's kind of a cutthroat, low-margin business, and. The capital isn't that high, but it doesn't pay out all the time. And here, put if you got a $10 billion to invest, invest it in lithium production. When did you start loving numbers? So because it is Father's Day and this is the Global Lithium Podcast, which is, it's more than just a... It's a family it's, show. It's, 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 a, it's a community. We're a community building operation. Um, guys, can you share sort of a, a father-son in the industry moment or, you know, I think this is directed at the, the good doctor over there. Can we hear about, you, you know, your son coming into the industry and, and how that felt for you? ¿Cómo empecé? ¿Qué pasó cuando yo me empecé a tratar de seguir lo que estabas haciendo vos y cómo lo viste? Well, eh, was was very good because eh, and I want that now Carlos eh, work more join with me okay. in the development because one thing is the recovery. I okay. insist with the recovery because this have this concept have a lot of <coughs> of advantage. Eh? Mm -hmm. One of them is if you have a high recovery, mm -hmm. you need low uh, uh, flow from the brain, right. low pumping, okay. and the possibility to 
eh, to do some uh, alteration right. in, in, the, in the salar uh, is low. Okay. So you protect the other aquifer, no? Uh -huh. uh, fresh water or, or other aquifer okay. with brine. So this is a point and it's no easy to reach high recovery. Okay. Uh, Joe knows about that because he worked long time and it's no easy to, to reach a high recovery in this industry. So Carlos joined and I'd be happy. He, uh, he, wor he was working in Buenos Aires in a big company and I asked to come here and start working with me in the <laughs> Rincon project at the beginning. That's a very obedient son. How old yes. were you when that happened? Moving <laughs> all the family here and, and establishing here and, and follow the path uh, defined. What, yes. what do, uh, was good also is uh, my another son, Nicolás, yeah. came from another big company to work with us here in Jujuy, no? Actually, he came first. <laughs> so he was the first coming. The first. Well, I, don't, I don't think we could have in the lithium industry another example of a family with so many years. And so for a Father's Day, we congratulate you on being able to pull your kids out of their other jobs and get them to work in the lithium industry. Can we, can we get a hug, guys? Can we get a, can we get a hug? Come on. It's a, people can hear it. It's a little okay, hug. Yeah. No? All right. Well, no hugs then. Um, but it's fine. You know, it's fine. It's a lot of microphones in the yeah. middle. That's yeah. true. That's true. dangerous. <laughs> Safety, Safety first. first. Safety first. Safety first. Safety first. So, Emily, what is that you're wearing on your head? Joe, it's been a uh, one of the single most rewarding moments of my, my life when uh, you got off the plane here in Salta and out of your backpack came this Lithium America's hat. And we will be tweeting some wearing. pictures of uh, Emily styling in her Lithium America's hat that took us approximately seven months to wring out of John Canalitzis and Tom Hodgson's, but we're not going to go down that road. We're just going to say thank you, Lack, for finally doing the right thing. And now Emily's been united with her hat. My forehead is safe from the sun. It's a beautiful hat, Joe. I mean, we, it was worth the wait. It's it's a lovely heft. I feel confident. I feel empowered. Uh, I, I've I just, heard it's good quality, too. It's a, it's well, a nice it, one. It, it's the best. And, Joe, but I am now wearing my Galaxy hat that I got today. And did I ever get one in Perth? No. But I had to come to Salta to get a galaxy hat from my friend David. And not only that, we had a notebooks. Notebooks and pens. From the galleys. Yes. Are you kidding me? This has been a great day. Uh, we we should have a Father's Day present. I was told. Yeah. Oh, do you we? You guys didn't think about that. Come on. I... I have two Global Lithium hats for you. They're at the hotel. Thanks, we forgot them in the morning. Um, if you can swing by the hotel after, I'll give them to you. Or Most I will leave them after with, hats. I will leave or them with combined. David. 
Okay. <laughs> so, so I think, I know a lot of listeners don't like the swag section, but you know well, what? You know what? It's Joe? our podcast. We're going to be doing, we're going to be doing a little bit more of our own swag at uh, the Las Vegas trip that we have coming up where you and I are going to be hosting a very special Beers with the Global Lithium podcast. That's right. It's going to be a sought after event. It's going to be limited attendance. So get your reservation requests in now. Get them in. And David, do you like warm beer? I sometimes have some warm beer. But yeah. would you, like, given the choice, would you like a cold beer or a warm beer? I typically go for the colder one. I think I think a lot of the Global Lithium Podcast listeners think the same, which is why we're going to be, uh, we're going to be repping some Global Lithium Podcast koozies at the, uh, the unofficial, official beers with the Global Lithium Podcast coming up at the end of June in, in Las, Las Vegas, Vegas Nevada. Nevada. The Parallel Vegas event. <laughs> Which is not as good an event as what we just attended here in Salta, but it passes. it's what we can do in North America. It passes muster. So, Joe, where are we going next? Where Where's the Global Lithium Podcast up to next week? Well, next week we are going to be in Buenos Aires, and we are going to have another father and son installment. With, it's uh, it's the family best week hair. here, and we're going to have the guy with the best hair in the lithium industry. I think uh, most people know who I'm talking about. But uh, yes, we're going to have, uh, I think, what are we doing that on Wednesday? That's be Wednesday morning. We'll have uh, Ignacio and Hernan Silorio. Um, and then in just a few short weeks, you and I are off to Nevada, where we're going to be visiting the Lithium Nevadas. We're going to be seeing Play our buddy project. David Deek. Our favorite um, David Deke. And, well, I, I have to say that I think today we've had a, the science, the South American science camp is equal to the North American science camp. So uh, I think the listeners, some of the listeners who aren't that science-based may have already switched off. But I think no, they're really going to enjoy this podcast. And thank you guys for coming. It was a pleasure hosting you. And it's uh, just uh congratulate you on your decades of service to the industry. So this has been a, a Salta-based episode of the Global Lithium Podcast. We've been here with David Guerrero, with Dr. Daniel Galli, and with the engineer Carlos Galli. Um, Joe, if people want more Joe Lowry, and how could they not? I'm not sure that that's, that's a real need, but if they did happen to want that, it would be at Global Lithium on Twitter, and then you can just find me on LinkedIn by typing my name in and LinkedIn, and I will probably pop up. And we can be found on our website, which is www.lithiumpodcast.com. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are on Spotify. And we are on YouTube for some odd reason. We didn't put ourselves on YouTube, but we have a friend in Sydney, Australia. And uh, I don't know if he wants his name mentioned, so I won't. But if you want to find us on YouTube, we are also on YouTube. But I kind of think YouTube's a visual medium, but he disagreed and you know said, what? hey, we're going to put you on there. There's some good looking people in this room. So, uh, the, the you know, a, a video medium could not be so bad. People could see this hat. Okay. Well, I think our guests are tired of hearing our banter and so we're going to close thank you for listening and we will be back on wednesday from buenos aires